Our first reading this morning is taken from Isaiah 43, starting at verse 16 and can be found on page 692 of the Church Bibles. Starting at verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And then continuing at the start of chapter 44. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let them proclaim it. Let them declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. And our New Testament reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark starting at the very beginning and reading the first 15 verses and can be found on page 947. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop to, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. 
At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, I saw a mug, I showed a mug the other day um, in my preparation for Advent. It said, Jesus is coming, look busy. And the, the idea of Advent is a great celebration, a great longing for the coming of God. I, I mean, I've got my phone here, of course I've switched off, of course. Um, but I don't know about, I was shocked because recently, as a, as a new app on Apple, you get a weekly report of your usage of the phone. And I was shocked by how much um, I'd used the phone. You know, how much we rely upon this, these devices. We do, don't we? Yes, we do. Rely on these devices to keep us in touch with the world. I mean, I was, I was even um, uh, observing some, some people. Well, they, weren't, they weren't young people, older people like me. But observing people um, <laughs> sending each other messages when they're in the same room as each other. Not unheard of. But one, just imagine that we switched our phone on and there was a message saying, the Lord is coming. What would our reaction be? We get a message, the Lord is coming. Oh dear, are we ready? Are you ready for the Lord's coming? You don't know, you're, looking very, you're not looking very confident. It's supposed to be coming just like that rather than... But the sense of, if we were given a warning, how would we, what would we think about, are we ready for the coming of the Lord in all his glory and majesty? You know, this is the Lord who describes himself in our, in our Old Testament reading in Isaiah as the only God, the one who is uh, almighty and uh, where there is no power beside him that is of any value. If we were warned, we'd be very frightened. At least I would be very frightened. How could I possibly be ready? Because as in the season of Advent, we've, we, we long for the coming of God. We long for, for the renewal of our, of our appreciation, of our understanding of how Jesus comes to us now in our hearts. We have that longing um, for that relationship to be deeper. You know, any of us who've ever experienced of love you know, know that love carries with it a kind of yearning for that love to go deeper and deeper. And we pray that just as this is... Uh, life started by Isaac today, that that yearning for the, for the presence of God in his heart will live with Isaac all his days. We also, of course, long for the coming of, of Christ at Christmas. Um, Advent is not just a time for sort of treading water until Christmas comes. It's a time of preparation, of renewal, 
as we think, what does the incarnation mean for the world? God has stooped to reign in this world, to take on this flesh, not, you know, not coming as some sort of um, space warrior, uh, a knockdown uh, kind of saviour who gives us no choice. This is the saviour who comes to be a baby as vulnerable as Isaac, to take on our flesh because this is the way that the Father has chosen to save us by coming to be with us himself. He doesn't send a messenger, he doesn't just send an angel. God comes in the person of Jesus himself, God himself. And so we, we yearn to be ready again for our celebration of Christmas in this Advent season so that it's not just about... Uh, I had a phone call from my, uh, one of my sisters the other day um, who um, said... It's time to hand over the money <laughs> because um, I'm a fellow useless bachelor. So my sister takes my, she just says, send me the money. And then she buys my Christmas presents for me. <laughs> I'm so useless. But anyway, um, so I handed the check. And then, of course, she's rather, then she's a bit, she's rather a bit clever. So when I'm, I'm handing a present, to, a nicely wrapped present to my mother, <laughs> says, Stephen, what's the present you're giving mum this year? <laughs> and I've no the faintest idea. But anyway, coming back to the point, it's, this is not just a time of preparation of getting the tree, of ordering, getting the presents. It's about a waiting, about taking time to wait. So that, so in a sense, the paradox is there's the urgency of our longing and of our ur the urgency of the Lord's Lord coming, and yet that urgency we need to live in the quiet, in taking time in these four weeks, so that we are ready to celebrate again. Um, the real heartbeat of the world. Uh, I, my um, Irish granny used to take me to one side every Christmas Eve and she'd make me put my hand on my heart and she'd say, you feel that then? What's happening there? Because one year I did it like this and I was a bit worried about there was nothing happening. But she said, put your hand there and she'd just think, think at midnight, this is the, heart, this is the beat of the, of the heart that makes the universe work. So that's what we're yearning for. But we also, of course, are, are, are at, the end of all, at the end of time. He's promised to be with us, but he will come in glory, and we have no idea when that would be, in a flash or in a, in a million or a billion years. We don't know, but we need to live as though um, Christ could come any time in all his glory and judgment. Now, of course, um, this is a celebration of that sovereignty, the sovereignty of God, which is true and under, under everything, even when we deny it or ignore it. But then it will be a power and glory that cannot be denied, cannot be overcome. And, of course, then we will see true righteousness and justice reigning. We see glimpses, of course, as we, as we see glimpses of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God growing in secret, as we see glimpses of that kingdom, we see what that righteousness and justice uh, might be like. We catch glimpses of it, but then we shall see it all. And, of course, we will all be facing judgment. And that um, is not something we can easily gloss over. Um, we, are, we are sinners. We are people marred by our sin. Anybody here who's beautiful? You, Sarah, are you beautiful? And, and what gives you confidence that you're so beautiful? Uh, because Jesus said that I would be beautiful for him. I would be like a bride for his coming. 
Yes. Now I can sit down now. We've had, <laughs> we've, we've had the rest of the sermon, so thank you very much. Because it's exactly true, isn't it? We are beautiful because, as somebody, somebody said at the 9.30 service, I trust that I'm beautiful because God has made me to be beautiful and God doesn't make mistakes. And I sense that we, um, I mean, I, I look in the mirror and I see this, you know, I'm nearly 61, but I, I look in the mirror and I see that 21-year-old <laughs> just afflicted by gravity. Um, <laughs> but, we, but we celebrate that we are, that in God's sight we are beautiful because we've been made in his image and to be, to be represent his likeness in the world, but we mar that likeness by, of course, by our sin, by our turning away, and God will judge us and, and the whole world for um, its failure to turn always to him. But we pray that, and this is what we pray for and long for as we, as we await his coming, we take solace from what Paul tells us um, in Romans, that, of course, God will come to be our judge, but we pray that his judgment will be to have mercy. That mercy won't be convenient, it won't be um, what necessarily what we would like at all, but it's the mercy that transforms the whole of creation, that brings us the real good news of what it would be to be alive, fully alive, in Christ Jesus. And that's the thing we most long for all through the year, but most particularly in this Advent season, longing to be fully alive in Jesus Christ, to be people who grow so deeply into his character that we become shaped by his stature as the one true human being. And this is very important because this is not just about us gathered here in, in Campbell this morning. This is about the whole world. This is about the urgency of the whole world's needs for salvation. And um, Advent is naturally a time of year when we, when we think about the darkness, the darkness in the world, the darkness of sin, of savagery, of... I mean, I, um, um, uh, just this week, um, I met up with some students, um, uh, including somebody from South Sudan. I don't know if any of you follow the plight of South Sudan and pray for it, but please do find out and do pray for them. This is a country that's been troubled by civil strife and violence um, since, since independence in the 1950s. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful country with very beautiful people. Um, I'm slightly biased because they're mostly tall like me. <laughs> and in fact, I'm an honorary Dinka uh, from the South Sudan. But um, meeting up with, with him and other students reminded me just how, you know, just how safe it is for us, how how ordered our lives are, even in spite of, of all that's to come with Brexit. Does anybody understand Brexit, really? Has anybody read the 500-page document? Because whatever we, whatever we believe about, uh, about Brexit, and I'm not here to find out, we know that, that that's the greatest confusion that we face, but on the whole, we're not facing the danger of murder or rape or violence um, every day of our lives. So we see the darkness... And what we do in the darkness is, is, to, is to trust that the God who comes at Christmas, the one who uh, the Word made flesh, is the one whose light could not be extinguished in the darkness. And so we, when we gave, when we gave um, Isaac a candle earlier on, it was a sign that Isaac, if you think about at Easter, 
<clears throat> lots of churches have a big Easter candle, and it's a sign of the resurrection of Jesus, the light of Christ that cannot be extinguished by any sin or failure of ours. And we gave, we gave Isaac a candle, a lighted candle, because he is now a light for Christ. And when I do confirmations, I prefer to do them in the evening because I can then take the people who have been confirmed outside of church with their candles for them to see surely that they are to be, like all of us, lights of Christ, lights that cannot be extinguished because we live in the light of Christ. And of course, because we're the people, and I'm always reminded that, you know, Camborne is a missionary church <clears throat> that is always about taking our light outside. It's about, you know, Jesus, um, as after he's reminded that he's the beloved of his father in his baptism, what does he do? He immediately goes, the first words we hear of Jesus speaking, uh, he calls people to repent for, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, being people who repent, which is part of the season of Advent, is what it's for, our repenting, well, the Greek is, it means that we turn right ray, the way round. So the energy of repentance is always for us to turn and face the cross once again. You know, through the, through the day, we, we, are, we are forgetful, forgetful of all that ma- of what really matters. But every time that we repent, it's not, it is, of course, turning from our sin, but all the real energy is going into turning again to face the cross of Christ and to know our Saviour, the cost of, of our salvation, the one who was bound that we might be set free. And so, I said that Isaac should be, a, be, a, be an active evangelist from the age of four. All of us are called to be witnesses, to call other people to know that mercy, to make that turn, and to know for the people, all the people of Camborne who, whether they want to hear it or not, <laughs> to have the opportunity to know that they are called with us. And we're not uh, any more special than they are, but they, we invite them to come and turn that way to Christ. To be, um, for us to be agents of the kingdom of God. To be, the, uh, particularly as, as we long for the coming of Jesus, um, the Prince of Peace, that we may be people of peace with him and for him, and with him, therefore, in the power and glory of our Sovereign Father, that we will be people, uh, as people of peace, who long for the transformation of the world and the transformation of each of our hearts. Amen.